Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. The topic for today's session is the Alberta government investing in what matters to Albertans. The latest provincial budget is going to impact many Alberta families and communities very, very hard. We are told that there needs to be cuts to essential public services due to the current deficit. However, when you look deeper at the budget, you'll see that there are many choices that the government is making clearly, yet these do not support the ma- what matters most to Albertans. In Bill's talk, he will explore the, how the provincial budget is affecting our communities and families, but also talk about what we can do to advocate for a better vision for Alberta. I'd like to welcome Bill Moore-Kilgannon. Thank you so much. Thanks to uh, SACPA for inviting me to uh, speak to you again. I've, this is about uh, my third or fourth time, actually probably even more than that, when I was executive director of the Parkland Institute. I, I know from 97 to 2001, I came down here a number of times. So it's always a pleasure to come down, to be a part of your discussions, and to see see everyone still going. So as a, we talked about uh, the provincial budget uh, came down in February, and that's when I was contacted to uh, to come and be a part of uh, this talk. Of course, lots has happened uh, between now and then of a federal election and stuff. But we need to we need to uh, focus back in on what's happening here in our own province and and looking at uh, what's going on. And I, I I wanted to start off the talk by uh, putting up this uh, movie poster uh, of the movie Inception. It's one of my kids' favorite movies. How many people in the room have seen this movie Inception? Okay, just a a few people. Basically, the idea behind the movie is is about these guys who are able to go into someone's dream world and to insert ideas into them. And the, the deeper they go into his subconscious, the more powerful and lasting those ideas are. And I think uh, what we see in the discussions about our province, about politics, and about budgets is that we're constantly being having ideas inserted into our, our minds and to connect with our values and to, to shape the way in which we dream about what type of province it is that we want to live in. And so when it comes to budgets and when it comes to thinking about where we are, I hope we can take that bigger view and to recognize that we do have the capacity to dream big and to look at those things. But we also have to recognize who it is that's out there that's inserting ideas into our dreams and into our way of moving forward. We know that there are very wealthy interests uh, here in the province, uh, nationally as well, some very well-funded organizations like the Fraser Institute, uh, the C.D. Howe Institute, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and others, lobbyists, professional lobbyists for corporations. Uh, We now have a lobbyist registry in the province so we can see who's out there and who's influencing our politics and who's ultimately inserting the ideas out there. And the ideas that they want to insert really talk about their values and what it is that they, how they envision what they would like to see happening. And I like talking about budgets, though, because budgets are a very concrete, tell a concrete story about the direction that we're going. We know politicians will often talk a a good talk, good rhetoric about visions, but when it comes down to actually showing what it is that they're, what they value, what they want to do, 
it is through the budgets that we can we can see a different story emerge. So, so I want to talk about the budget story. I want to reframe that debate for you and to give you some of those tools ar around uh, around the budget and, and start talking about a different conversation that we need to have in this province. Budgets are about revenues and expenditures, not just about what we spend, but where it is that we're going to get our resources from. So I'm going to start by talking about those revenues and then delving into what, what sort of cuts and expenditures have been in the budget and how that's going to impact on our families and our communities. So the budget story that we heard back when the budget came out was what? Front page news everywhere. We have a deficit. Oh my God, we have a deficit in this province. Keep in mind that a deficit is uh, uh, how much we're spending more than we're collecting in one year. It's not a debt. A deficit is, you know, we've actually accumulated through our various uh, funds, the Heritage Fund, the Sustainability Fund was up to $17 billion. So we have the resources. In fact, we're the only province in, in, in Canada that actually doesn't have a debt. But we, we did post a deficit this year, and that was the dominant story. And again, that was the main thing that a lot of very powerful interests wanted you to focus on. We want to talk about taxes, though. And um, the uh, Premier uh, Stelmack has been very focused on, on saying that he will not increase taxes. In fact, he's looking at some very, has for the last number of years, reduced taxes uh, quite significantly in a, in a couple of different ways. The corporate tax rate in Alberta is incredibly low. And in fact, uh, because the oil and gas industry uh, is largely uh, has their corporate headquarters not in Calgary so much, but in the United States. The United States government is the beneficiary of the fact that Alberta has a very cor low corporate tax rate. They actually require that if taxes are not collected in one jurisdiction, that they're collected in the United States. So there's some, been some really interesting research done on it by the Parkland Institute and some other key tax people looking at how our low tax corporate rate is actually uh, benefiting the U.S. government because those corporations actually have to pay millions of dollars uh, in the U.S. Uh, based on that. But we also are the only jurisdiction in Canada that has a flat tax. 10%, everyone pays 10% of their income uh, to the provincial government in a flat tax. And that sounds fairly fair when, uh, on the surface. But when you consider that uh, progressive taxation is, has been the norm, is the norm at the federal level, and that is that your tax rate increases when you uh, are, are high, earning a higher, higher rate, that what that does is it transfers the amount of uh, overall taxes onto low- and middle-income families. So if you're earning over $250,000, $500,000 a year, you're paying the lowest taxes in Canada by far. You've, you've had this massive tax cut. But if you're a middle-income earner in Alberta, you're not actually paying the lowest income taxes in Canada. You're actually about the third or fourth highest taxes in Canada because of our flat tax. So we need to have a discussion about taxes and about the flat tax and about the implications that that has not having a progressive tax. The other thing the uh, Premier did a couple of years ago was there, the uh, uh, cabinet had already approved a slight increase to our um, our liquor tax. We all pay taxes on our on our liquor, and they call them sin taxes on cigarettes and all of that. 
And the cabinet had approved two years ago an increase of about 10 cents on a bottle of beer or about 70 cents on a bottle of wine, more or less, depending on the quality of hooch that you like to drink. But um, the premier stepped in at the end and said, nope, we're not going to do that. That was $183 million a year that could have been collected in liquor taxes. And I want you to keep these numbers in your mind as we start talking about the budget cuts that have come about because of that. So we could have done that, and I personally would have been very happy to have paid an extra 10 cents on a bottle of beer, do my part for the revenue side of things, and um, make sure that we had quality education and health care in this province, etc. We also are selling off our resources uh, at an incredibly low rate. When I was the ED at the Parkland Institute back in 99, we did a comparison of our royalty rates uh, and showed how low our royalty rates compared to the time of Peter Lougheed in the 1970s, compared to Alaska, and compared to uh, Norway. And there have been other studies since then, and we created a debate in this province. We inserted some ideas out there that maybe we weren't getting our fair share for selling off our natural resources, our natural heritage. And when uh, Premier Stomach was running for leader of the uh, uh, Conservative Party, he said that he would re re renew our royalty rates, uh, review it anyways, and we had the blue ribbon panel and they, they did review the rates. And they came out with what we all thought was a fairly modest suggestion for increases. But the province didn't follow everything that they had suggested, this blue ribbon panel of uh, uh, largely uh, corporate uh, leaders. Uh, instead, he, he put about half uh, of the increases that they had suggested uh, forward. Well, the oil and gas industry was very upset with that, of course, because they saw that as, uh, as a, an attack on them. And we know the story that went forward from there. They funded the uh, uh, Wild Rose uh, Alliance Party. They created all sorts of uh, media hype around all of that and, and pleaded that this was having a major impact on them. Don't get me wrong. The oil and gas industry is incredibly important for this province. Uh, we, uh, we need to develop our resources I'm just saying we don't need to uh, carry forward and, and give away our resources at the rates that we are. And so we need to, to continue to look at that. With respect to the budget that just came out, one of the sh most shocking things on the revenue side for me, and, and something that certainly wasn't on the front pages of many newspapers, was that the, when, the, when they talk about overspending, what they never talked about was this one line item that, and I have the budget here if anyone wants to look at it. It's in the Energy um, uh, Ministry's budget. Two years ago, they established what was called the Energy Enhancement uh, or Energy Industry Drilling Stimulus Program. Downturn in the economy, they wanted to support uh, more drilling. $200 for every meter that they were going to drill was the, was the drilling stimulus program that was put in. Last year they had projected um, to spend, uh, the first year they spent $432 million on that program in direct subsidies to the oil and gas industry. Last year they had budgeted, the year that's just finished at the end of March, $732 million is what they had budgeted to spend. They could guess what they actually spent in that line item. $1.66 billion dollars. They overspent that one line item in the budget by $900 million, close to a billion dollars, in additional subsidy to an oil and gas industry that 
is still put bringing in now record profits. So, revenues are an incredibly important part of the story. $1.66 billion was actually half of the uh, projected deficit on the year. And so I think we need to understand the revenue side of the budget. But let's talk about the expenditure side of the budget. Hopefully we will. There we go. As I said before, budgets are about what matters. When you set up your own budgets, what, what really matters to you? And certainly we know that health is the, uh, the number one priority for Albertans. But we, we need to talk about wealth. We need to talk about the economy. That absolutely matters. Not only, our, not only our how much money we have, but the, the broader sense of the word wealth is well-being. What is the well-being of our communities? And so there's different ways of talking and thinking about wealth. And education and security. Not just security for whether or not we're safe in our own homes, but I also like to talk about security when it comes to the air we breathe, the environment that we're in. All of these things are interrelated, as you'll see in my, in my talk. So when we think about what matters most to us, then we need to reflect that, hopefully, within our budget. But the budget impacts on our, our, on our lives, communities, and the environment. And I want to go through some, some, of, some of these things, and I'm not going to go into too much detail. We can do more in, in, in Q&A. Uh, how many of you have read the entire budget? Uh, no? Okay. I haven't read the entire budget either. It's, uh, it's actually four books like this, and this is just the ministry one here. Very exciting reading, let me tell you. So for a political nerd like me. Ministry of Children's Services, um, uh, we've been working a lot through Public Interest Alberta on the issues of child care. And I, I'm just going to highlight a few of these things. And again, not all areas of the budget were cut. There have been some important shifts and some, some uh, ongoing commitments in certain areas. But I want to talk about some key things as we move through life, as we move through life. So I'm starting with children at their very youngest of, of, of age. So your, your grandkids, your, whether your kids have access to early childhood education and care. And Alberta spends by far the lowest of any province in Canada on child care and education. Many other provinces have uh, very extensive programs, have junior kindergarten, full-day kindergarten, uh, and uh, a lot more resources and support for, for families when they have young children. The current budget has maintained the, uh, the, the same when it comes to uh, uh, subsidies uh, for low-income families, for supports for child care. But the one area that really quite concerned me is that they cut this year the, the funds that were going into space creation. And here in Lethbridge, just like many other major cities throughout Alberta, there is a big crunch for accessing quality child care. There are huge waiting lists to get into child care. What's ironic about this is that the, the money that the province was putting into to space creation was actually coming from this guy here getting his nose tweaked by the, the baby, uh, Mr. Harper, ongoing prime minister, had, in the last federal election had committed uh, $250 million across Canada to create childcare spaces. Over $25 million was coming to the provincial government to create childcare spaces. And the province hasn't been spending anywhere near that amount of money to create childcare spaces. And, shock on shocks, on budget day, they cancelled that program. And uh, they, had a, they had a modest program that was being successful, 
but now they're not going to be creating or providing any more space. Instead, what they're doing is they're encouraging corporate sector to come in and start buying up uh, childcare. There's a new corporation called Edlian that's been uh, operating in Alberta just over for a year. It's already the largest childcare corporation in Canada, and they are currently very actively trying to buy up many of the childcare spaces throughout this province and other provinces. And so that's an area that we've been working on uh, quite extensively. Education, um, uh, again, they, there was some modest increase with respect to the overall operating budget in relation to the five-year contract we have with the, the teachers of this province. But what they did cut is the uh, Alberta Initiative for School Improvement, the AC cuts. This program was uh, lauded all over the world as a very exciting initiative, was doing some fascinating research, was only $80 million a year, and they cut it by $40 million. So again, keep in mind those other revenue sides, what I was talking about. And that has implications. And I was uh, looking uh, at the Lethbridge Herald, looking back, and we've already heard uh, Lethbridge Public uh, uh, school board uh, projecting uh, 30 teachers being cut as well as 30 support staff within within uh, Lethbridge. And, and so you're going to see larger class sizes. You're going to see kids with special needs not able to get the care and supports that they need. They're changing the rules around funding for special education right now after this massive review that Minister Hancock did where they're not going to code high-need kids. These are the kids that are going to be falling through the cracks. These are the children who later on are going to be struggling and actually at the end of the day are going to be costing us and society that much more, not alone their lost potential. So special education is, has been underfunded for many, many years and, and anyone who has a child with special needs uh, knows very well how stretched the system already is. Now add to that the education cuts. Post-secondary education, another area we do a lot of work in with the faculty associations, students' unions, students' associations, and others. And for the second year in a row, we have a 0% increase when it comes to operating funds for post-secondary education. And I know Lethbridge College and Lethbridge University last year was really struggling. They made some program cuts. They let some staff go. Uh, and so, uh, again, this year we're going to be looking at even more, even deeper program cuts. So the pressure is going to be uh, on whether or not our young people are able to even access in to post-secondary education because of it. You know, they talk about, you know, the ent you can be qualified to get into a program if you say of 70%, but they talk about an effective qualification usually being up over 80%. So you have a lot of young people who are actually qualified to get into these programs, who have a passion for a vision of where they want to go, but because of these cuts, more and more of them are going to be uh, dropped, dropped out as well. I know last year, uh, Red Deer College, uh, for instance, to, as part of their budget-cutting exercises, cut their program that they had for teaching people how to work with children and adults with disabilities. It was one of the last remaining college programs in, in Alberta that did that. I know Lethbridge cut theirs a number of years ago. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton are the only places to learn how to work with children and adults with disabilities. So it has a, a ramification in other areas. If we're not training people how to work in these areas, what are the impacts? Then, of course, they uh, cut back uh, grants and, and how, how they're giving out grants by $33 million. And uh, the year before, they, we used to have a low-income grant. If you were from a low-income family, you were able to get $1,300 uh, in support towards paying your tuition. 
that wasn't cut this year. It was cut last year, so all those families. And what really burned me up was the Northern Allowance Grant. Alberta already has the lowest post-secondary education participation rate in Canada, and Northern Alberta in particular has a very low post-secondary education participation rate, and they cut the grant that supported families who were traveling from northern Alberta to, to attend, you know, Lethbridge College or whatever. And so that really, uh, really burns me up, to say the least. And, of course, at the end of the day, what's the impact on the quality? If the class sizes are larger, the programs are larger, etc. And I like to tell people who say, well, you know, my kids, they've already finished post-secondary. Well, it's got nothing to do with me. And I say, you see that 17-year-old kid over there? One day he's going to go through med school, and and he's and uh, you want to make sure that he does well and that he has a quality class because if you if you have a heart attack or something or other, you want to make sure that there's good quality there. Or that one over there might be an engineer, or that one might be a carpenter building your home. You want to make sure that there's good quality there because our post secondary education is about our future, and so we need to we need to invest in it. We do a lot of work on, on poverty. I know Joe Cece uh, was down here, a former city councillor from, from Calgary. We're working very closely with him on a provincial poverty reduction strategy. We're very excited, actually. Lethbridge uh, City Council, along with 17 other municipalities, have agreed to participate in uh, the development, the thinking of what a poverty reduction strategy would look like. And so we, uh, we're, we're working on that. But we see in other areas like housing, Alberta has a 10-year plan to eliminate home, uh, homelessness, a really excellent, very important plan. And they're putting resources into it and doing quite well. However, when you look deeper at the budget, what you see is you, you see cuts uh, coming from uh, where, where that money's coming from is, is, is cuts in, 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 other, in other areas. For instance, they've massively cut the amount of um, money that they're putting into rent subsidies. So they'll help people once they're homeless but they're cutting money to help to, that, that actually prevents people from becoming homeless. And I, that, I think that that's uh, really quite, uh, quite challenging. Training uh, programs, uh, I know uh, the five-on-five five, uh, youth services program here in Lethbridge was cut. That was just uh, part of a, a broader program. That was only $275,000 for that program here in Lethbridge. But it was a part of a bigger cut to employment and, uh, and training programs went from 176 million down to 162 million. So again, 15 million dollars compared to the 1,660 million dollars that went to the subsidi to subsidize the oil and gas industry last year. I don't think we should be looking at that. We also see immigration programs have been uh, uh, cut by 15 percent from 60 million down to 51 million dollars. And one that I think is really quite shocking as well, support for uh, English as a second language last year took a 27% cut. We have a number of immigrants coming here who want to establish, and one of the key barriers to them getting employment is English as a second language. Why are we cutting our English as a second language programs by 27%? These are not the values I think that uh, Albertans hold. Running out of time here, but uh, health and wellness, of course, is is uh, very a big part of the budget. It actually got a six percent increase again this year, very good. But we have to recognize, I think most people in this room know that the health uh, budgets have been strained uh, to meet, keep up with the population growth. If we're growing at the size of uh, seventy thousand a year as we were a few years ago, 
that's a lot of hospitals and supports that need to be put in place. And so we need to make sure that access to quality health care is a top priority. But we need to go beyond just looking at uh, whether or not you have access to a doctor in a rural area, which is still a very critical issue, I know, uh, or long waiting lists at the hospital. We have to look at prevention. We have to look at the community supports that are out there, our underfunding of our mental health system, and see the interrelation here. You know, thinking about uh, we have a ten, we have a plan uh, for suicide prevention in this province, but what's happening with that plan? Where are we going with that? Are 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 these things being cut back? Seniors, looking around at the demographic in this room, this uh, critical issue for. Um, Access to home care, long-term care, Public Interest Alberta, our chair of our seniors task force, Noel Somerville, has spoken to you before. Very concerned about the corporatization of seniors' care. If you can't find it in the public system, if they're not investing, if they're not looking at the growth and the number of seniors right now, then more and more of the cost of care that seniors will need will be coming out of your pockets. So you pay one way or you pay the other. So there's Noel uh, at an action that we did. We had uh, uh, raging grannies in a parking lot talking about where are seniors going to be put in the future? Are they going to be sleeping in beds in parking lots? The environment, big budget cuts. We've all seen in the media today the uh, pipeline. Well, for a number of years they've been cutting back on enforcement and now we're paying the price of, of cuts to enforcement in, in that. They also massively cut the uh, programs that are addressing climate change. No surprise in this province, but a critical issue. So I want to talk just a bit about how we fight for what matters, and I know I've only got a couple minutes left. But, you know, I, I love this picture of this baby with his fist in his hand. I have twin boys who are now 18, but... Little kids tell you what they need, right, usually at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they make it really, really clear what's going on and what the critical issues are. But I put this picture up there as well because the whole story that I just told you about the budgets and the budget cuts are going to impact on this child's life for the rest of his life. So when we do our advocacy work and we talk and we think about these cuts, we need to be thinking about advocating for those who can't and making sure that those voices are being told and those stories of what's this child's life going to be like. And if they happen to be in a very wealthy, well-off family who never happens to be in a car accident or have an issue come up uh, that, that causes them to need some services, the child will do well. But what, what's the path for that child? So Public Interest Alberta is fighting for public services, as you've obviously heard from my talk. We have uh, individual members as well as uh, community organizations and others that are members. We've passed around our membership forms, we hope people. We're working through eight task forces uh, to design advocacy strategy, and we've been successful in many, many campaigns. We also hold an annual advocacy conference and do many things around the province, and we're quite excited we're actually establishing what we call community mobilizers, and so we're going to be establishing one here in... Uh, Lethbridge to help with uh, community mobilizing. And the last slide here is about an upcoming campaign that we're doing uh, uh, called Join Together Alberta. Last year we held 22 town halls around the budget time talking about the implications of that. In June we're coming and we're going to be holding more town halls. But it's not just about getting this information out. To me it's about telling the stories. It's about actually articulating 
everything that's going on in your community and fighting as that baby, you know, that, that picture of that baby says, for what really matters to you and, and, and getting out there and telling a very different story. But it's also about building relationships, as you do here every Thursday, is sort of connect and build relations. But you need to go outside of your sectors of who you're used to talking to and start finding allies and connecting with them. And as you do that and you learn these things, you can and come out and participate in our town halls around the province. Ultimately, what you're doing when you come together and you build those relationships and you start talking about what is our vision of Alberta? Let's... let's Let's dream big, as I talked about from the beginning. Let's not let others start inserting these notions that, oh, we have to cut back on this. Oh, we have to give billions of dollars in revenues to the oil, oil and gas industry while we're seeing cuts to immigrants or cuts to children who, with disabilities and stuff. We need to get out there and not only dream, dream big, but build hope. Because hope is what inspires people for change. And that's ultimately, again, going back to that picture of the baby. To me, it's about hope. It's about hope for the future. And that's what I hope you'll uh, participate in in the discussion after, after um, lunch. Thank you very much.